Welcome to Finishing Touch, a Swish Theory podcast. I'm David Sidok, and here with me today is my co-host, Tyler Wilson, and a special guest, Yosef Marouf, also known as Thunder Film Room on Twitter. Uh, Tyler, Yosef, how are y'all doing today? I'm doing great, David. Very excited for the episode today. Can't wait to talk some Thunder. We've had some uh, fun games this week, and I uh, can't wait to talk to Yosef. I, I, I can't think of a better first guest to have on, so thank you for being here, Yosef. How are you doing? No, I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me on. Um, cool to finally get to meet in a way. You know, we've been in a, a group chat for, what, half a year now. Um, so really excited, really f- excited to talk about the team. Honestly, it's been a fun two weeks. Um, not sure how the rest of the season will go, but I'll, I'll always have these two weeks at least. Yeah, great start so far for the Thunder. Uh, we're going to go ahead and open up with the question that we're going to be asking all our guests this year, and that is, which skill do you think is the easiest to develop in a prospect, and which skill is the hardest, Yosef? Honestly, I'm not 100% sure on easiest, um, just because I feel like there's a pretty difficult thing to each of them. Um, but I think the hardest to me is pretty easily ball handling. Um just because I think there's so many different aspects that go into it from core strength, hip flexibility, hip mobility. And I think a lot of it has to also do with feel that a lot of people don't really consider. Um, I think a good example is like Josh Giddy. I think there's like a very big limit on his, what his handle can be one day. Um, and even if you look at the progression from last year, like the handle hasn't improved a ton, but it's a lot, it looks a lot better solely because of his flexibility has gotten better and he's gotten a little more core strength where he can drop his hips a little more. But other than that, the actual handle itself hasn't improved a ton. Yeah. I think it is a really interesting one. He's, uh, he's very upright when he handles the ball is something that immediately sticks out, but he does have some flashes where he can get low and just, uh, get all the way to the rim. I think he's really good when he has kind of a running start and he kind of leverages that to get all the way. You have any thoughts on that, Tyler? Yeah, I think Giddy is a really interesting one because I think with with handle in particular, people tend to kind of gravitate towards like hand-eye coordination of like, are you able to like anticipate where the ball is going to be and put your hand there and have like a, a series of complex movements with which by all accounts, Giddy's like, coordination seems pretty solid and his feels incredible like he it feels like he has a really good spatial awareness and that like it is very much his athletic limitations that make you wonder like how much can his handle actually improve i don't know i think with giddy i i uh it's i don't know it's, it's kind of, that was kind of the ultimate question of him when it came to draft time like how much do you think he's going to be able to create with the ball in his hands and a lot of that has to do with his handle itself the upright point i think is a really good one but I don't know. I think that he impresses me more than doesn't in that department. But I, I do, you do question how much room there is to grow, I guess, with the limited nature of his, his physical tools. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's kind of interesting because he's almost like the opposite of both Shea and Trey Mann as a driver. Like those two are extremely flexible shin angles are insane they get really low on drives and then he's kind of just like a regular dude with the just completely upright um as far as easiest skill to improve i'm pretty sure me and tyler both kind of gravitated towards shooting so is that is that what you see too or do you have a another skill that you see as easier to improve 
No, yeah, if I had to lean one way, I wanted to say shooting, but I think there's also like you then have those outliers of guys who just never develop the shooting touch. Um, Because I think there's just so many things that go into shooting, whether it is touch, uh, hand-eye coordination, just shot perception even, um, just different stuff like that. But I do think like you can make a, you know, a useful shooter out of almost every guy in terms of catch and shoot. Like I I have hopes for, I hate to bring him up again, but Josh Giddy, like I think eventually one day he can be a league average catch and shoot guy solely because I think he has all like the hand-eye coordination, the feel, the balance, the proprioception, all that great stuff. Like I think he has all of that. It's just a matter of mechanics for him. Um, And you see, I know we'll get into it later. Uh, Some mechanics have changed up since last season, which has been fascinating to watch. Right. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about that right now, actually. I was excited to talk about that. Um, to my eye, at least, it looks like he's started to shift his shot pocket a little bit more towards the right side of his head. I don't know if he's uh, kind of thought the same thing, but I'm just interested to see um, what you think Chip England is going to is gonna tweak there. I know, or for those that don't know, Chip England is a shooting development coach that um, went from the Spurs to the thunder this past year and i have an article that touches on him a little bit up on the theory.com called fountain of youth so y'all can check that out to learn more about him and kind of his development style but uh yosef take the floor away what do you see from Dude, before you go yosef uh chip england was not on the overview here david i don't appreciate you just shoehorning <laughs> uh, a, a defector into the podcast that's i mean i guess we'll let it slide but come on man. Um, I think the first thing with Chip, um, Chip, first of all, getting hired may be like the biggest Thunder free agent signing ever. Um, but I also think it's kind of brought on this thing where people think he's a miracle worker. Um, <laughs> I do think there's limitations. Um, but with Josh, I think you can tell that the elbow is more 90 degrees. Um, he's not leaning as much on his shot. The lower base has improved a little in terms of his knees being inward. Um, and there's noticeable more arc on the basketball, uh, I think a big thing for him is just I'm not sure if his energy transfer is the best, honestly, on his jumpers. Um, It's not very consistent. Um, So that's one thing that, like, kind of fascinates me. But I think with Chip, Chip's just, like, he's a mad scientist, right? Um, You see things like Lou Dord last year was kind of shooting decent. They made changes on his jumper, and the jumpers looks really bad right now. And so I think that's one thing that's really fascinating with guys like that. Cause I think a lot of people are so struck on the results um, of the whole thing. And I think a big thing with player development is really assess. I could care less what a guy doing or what they're doing. Like it's a matter of how you get to that end point. Um, so I think that's the fascinating part. Like you see Josh, he's taking step back shots. He's doing stuff like that. And I think that's, that part is the most fascinating. Uh, and with the jumper, I, my biggest like question marks around Josh's jumper is just off the dribble. Um, and not in terms of accuracy, but I mean like just the mechanics itself. I don't think it sets him up greatly to be able to shoot off the jump. Um, especially if he's going to his left because he does shoot kind of from his right side. So he has to be going right kind of like Lonzo had this similar problem a few years ago where when he would go right, he was very rarely taking a jumper, but if he was going left, you knew he was shooting it because he was playing up from the left side of his head. No, that that is an interesting comparison I hadn't really thought about in terms of the the lack of diversity in their potential shot diet. Because you do notice that watching Gideon that he really does want to shoot his pull up going to his right and having that positive mo- momentum into a shooting hand. 
Um, I think what you said about Chip being a mad scientist, I think is definitely correct. I mean, shooting is such an inexact science. And if you could watch any NBA game and realize that the moment you put it on and how many different ways there are to, to find and determine success as a jump shooter. And I think a lot of it is just figuring out what is going to work with your specific subject at hand. So like the idea that Lou Dort's jumper looks worse this year and hasn't gone in well, like it's not entirely surprising at all because the whole point is to like try to find the way towards meaningful change, not just like knowing that this is what it is because this is what we do. I think that was one of the more interesting things to think about once Chip left this, the Spurs organization was like, okay, well, like how much of this that he's teaching is inherent and ingrained within the staff itself? Like how much of like this knowledge is already on staff to where the asset of having him on your on your payroll is no longer as great because you already have people that have been here for 15 years with him that know all this stuff. But I think the thing that makes you nervous is that like every jumper is different and every subject you're teaching it to is going to be different and have a different set of confounding variables and having somebody that can not only discern what is wrong, but is willing to like try different things to figure out what it is, is like really important. And I think especially on a, on a roster like Oklahoma city, where there is like a, a collection of different like jumpers, like everyone kind of shoots a different way and everyone has like a kind of a different like view of what their jumper probably should look like. It's going to be like a bunch of snowflakes. And I think that chip is an awesome fit there for their roster. Um, but I don't know. I, I think that it's going to be some time. And I think with Giddy in particular, obviously the shot matters a ton because he's not going to blow by you off the dribble and he needs to have some amount of off ball gravity. If he's going to play next to SGA and, I think for me, it kind of comes back to like Kyle Anderson couldn't shoot when he got to San Antonio and he couldn't shoot when he left San Antonio. And I think that there are a lot of similarities, like obviously in the nature of their game. But when you look at Kyle, like he started to shoot a little bit better as he went to Memphis, but nothing, anything on volume. But his shot was just incredibly broken and incredibly uncomfortable. Like watching Markel Fultz shoot after he was drafted and he had all these shoulder injuries, like that was what Kyle Anderson shot like his whole life. That was just what he did. And it was very difficult for him to have any amount of like growth that was meaningful because he couldn't even get the jumper off in the first place. And I don't think that Giddy's going to have that problem. I think his issues are a lot more minor. And I think that will probably come around. And especially with someone like Chip there to help kind of guide the process and, and simplify the mechanics. But I think the important part is he trusts it to an extent, at least like he's willing to try stuff and it, it doesn't make your eyes bleed when you look at it. So you're telling yeah. me beef doesn't work for everybody? No, <laughs> not quite everybody. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and stick with Giddy here. Um, so I think we've touched it on already on it already, but he has some some real limitations as like a scorer. I saw Mike Gribanoff tweeted out something either earlier today or just the other day about how. He thinks it'll be tough for him to reach his true ceiling as a passer just due to scoring scoring limitations. So how do you feel about that, Yosef? Do you think that's a good uh, analysis of his game? Or do you think there's a level that he can reach with his scoring that we just haven't seen yet? No, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. I think there is a limit, but I do think that I think there's a limit on the self-creation standpoint, but I do think like Mark Daniel did a really good job last year at putting him in actions that like got him running downhill and put him in advantageous positions to be able to really be able to pass the ball and cap off his limit there. Um, 
And I think that's the biggest thing for him uh, in preseason this year. They used him a lot. And like if they ran a few blind pig possessions where he was the guy on the elbow, um, they put him in the post sometimes and let him use his passing there. So I think there are like different ways they're going to be able to try to use him. Um, but yeah, I do think there's an obvious limit to it because of the lack of being able to just create advantages for himself that, he's going to be able to pass at others because he's just not a scoring threat. And I don't think he ever will be. And I think that's fine. We too often, um, I think that's like, that was a big hit on Giddy a lot during his rookie year. It was like, Oh, he's uh, just a straight, like a, a wide Ben Simmons is what someone called him. Uh, slow-mo. A lot of people were saying he was slow-mo. Um, and I think that's fine, but I do think like the biggest thing for him to be able to maximize his passing is being able to find good cutters, um, which I think they have been able to do with Jalen Williams. Uh, Lou Dord was in like the 60th percentile. I think Kenrich Williams was, I think in the 70th percentile last year. And that really did a lot of things for them last year. Um, but yeah, I just, the, the scoring limitations are there. They are what they are. Um, I just, for me, the biggest thing for him to be able to at least, get to closer to maximizing himself is the hip mobility and hip flexibility. Um, as you guys said, he stands up upright. It's way better than it was at the NBL. Um, but it's just, mm-hmm. it's nowhere near league average even. And it's hilarious because as you guys said, with Shea, like here's probably the most flexible player in the league and then probably the least flexible guard in the league right there next to him. Um, which is just fascinating in terms of like a team building concept. Yeah, I think that kind of the shoehorns into a, a question that I've been thinking on here, I guess, of what's what skills from Josh do you think are most important for him to develop in order to play next to SGA? Because I think that we've seen that play out some, and, and they've staggered their minutes a lot. And it, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, Giddy came off the bench in the second half of the game last night, correct? Like that was – Yeah, which, and, and he didn't and finish the, the game either. Awesome. Yeah, which I think is, is incredibly – at least noteworthy in some respect. I think the lack of growth in the jumper, at least immediately, has probably played some kind of a role in that. But I guess for him to be able to fit outside of making jumpers, like what areas in his offense do you think would help the most? And obviously the defense is a totally separate question entirely that we probably should talk individually about. Um, I think he's going to have to become a good cutter, um, which he was his rookie year. I think his court mapping abilities is already there. Um, he's great at relocating, but I, I hate to say like the thing is the shot, but it really is like the shot. Um, last year, their goal was like, all right, the, the one game before Josh was out for the season and then Shea played like 10 more games than was done was they were going to give the ball more to Josh and have Shea play off ball more. And then when Josh got hurt, Shea went back to his like heliocentric self. And like, if we've seen anything is that like, Shea, it taking the ball out of Shea's hands probably wouldn't is, is just not the smart thing to do right now. Um, and so that's it. I have a lot more questions about their fit now than I did six months ago. I was very confident in it working six months ago. Um, but I, I genuinely do think like the jumper is the biggest thing. Um, and I hate saying that because it's not, I, I hate like giving a black and white answer like that. Um, but it, it's just a matter of whenever you have the best driver in the league or one of the best drivers in the league and he has no spacing as it is, you have to be able to rely on Josh to be able to do something on the perimeter. And like last year, he shot, I think 26% on catch and shoot threes, which is, I mean, that's like bottom 10 percentile. That's bad. Um, 
And so I think that for me, the biggest thing is just being able to shoot the jumper. And, but his cutting is like, there was a few times last season where Shea drives and Josh cuts in right there and is able to finish. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing for me is him just being able to pick and choose his spots. His core mapping abilities are amazing. He knows where everyone is at all times. Like the processing skills of that is just off the charts. But I think as of right now, it's they're, they're going to continue staggering them. But I think also the main goal of this year is really figuring out how to make these two guys work together. I think it's a, a really difficult question to, to, to answer for sure. And I think that his his shot is obviously going to take some amount of time, but just any amount of meaningful improvement to where he's able to force at least even a soft closeout would be incredibly helpful. Like, I mean, the idea of him attacking an advantage created off of an SGA drive and then a kickout pass to him and allowing him to, to beat somebody off the dribble that's coming to try and actually – contest his shot versus just like watching him shoot it would be like he would be awesome there and he'd be awesome and capitalizing off of like a secondary advantage i guess would be the way i would i think about it in my head and there's no reason that he shouldn't be able to succeed there obviously the floater would need to come along some but i think that that is like on its way and he has some amount of confidence in it i don't think his touch is awesome but like making it work is going to be difficult but it does feel like we're like him hitting like 20 more threes in a season away from being like, oh, okay, it's not that bad. Like, as long as it's not like people are just watching him like Andre Roberson, like, I think that he could be really good in that role. And I think the idea that his passing is only valuable in an on-ball role is, like, kind of stupid. And I think that a lot of people tend to kind of think of the game in a black and white sense like that. I don't, that's not really the way the game is played at all. And most offenses nowadays, even with the heliocentric player like SGA, aren't running heliocentric actions where you're expected to shoot the ball as soon as it touches your hands. That's just not good NBA offense and isn't really how it operates anymore. There's no reason that they can't work together. But if Josh never shoots it, yeah, there's probably reasons they can't work together. Yeah. That's like, that's my biggest, like, I just, I'm, I'm very against heliocentric offenses. So that's like my biggest thing with those two working is like, because uh, last year when they asked Shea about like having the ball out of his hands, he like gave this like very murky answer of like, well, it's not my plan A option, you know, and it's like everyone like started losing their mind. Um, but like, I think whenever you look at history, uh, heliocentric offenses usually have a cap to them. Um, yes, they have, a, you have a world-class talent running the offense and it's fun to watch, but I just don't believe they're a real championship level offense. Um so I think that's why, like, as you said, it's just not good basketball. It's not good NBA offenses at this point, especially in today's NBA. I can't think of many. I mean, James Harden still is heliocentric to an extent, but I think he's the exception to the exception. And I think so much of the, the nature of these quote-unquote heliocentric offenses is not that you have one player that has to have the ball and that's just like the way the offense ends up going is that you have this one player that has the ball and the front office has decided to maximize their value by surrounding them with these like three and D shooters around the court who have no ability to take anybody off the dribble. But if you put the same heliocentric star in a different scheme that has, you know, three people who can attack someone off the dribble, but still make a spot up three, like that offense is going to function differently than if you had three PJ Tuckers around. And so I, I think a lot of it is a team building question, but Oklahoma City has plenty of people on the roster who can, you know, get by their man and make a play in the lane. So I think that the fit should be positive. I don't think that they've shown any proclivity to want to build towards a heliocentric offense with who they've drafted. Like this isn't 
uh, as you know, this isn't the Houston Rockets. Like it's not like they just drafted Jabari Smith at two, and then now they're like, oh, like, like this is what we do. We gotta make Jalen Green a point guard, but we gotta figure this out. Like that, that's not it. Like everyone they've taken in the last like three years has been someone who can who has more diversity to their game off the bounce. That I think is gonna help create a more holistic offense. No, yeah, like, I think. Well, go on, David. Sorry, Joseph. Uh, we're gonna have the Rockets fans coming for our head now. Tyler. I know. I was not going to say it, and I was like, dude, forget <laughs> it, man. I, I can't not say it. It's true. Yeah. Well, um, I wanted to kind of touch on uh, just – I thought that's kind of like what makes the Thunder fun in my watches have been just the fact that everybody can put it on the floor. Um, people talk a lot about how the Raptors can do that or how the Magic can do that. But when you have, like, Poku at the five and, you know, all the other players around them that can put the ball in the deck, it's uh, it makes for a really fun offense, I think. Uh, Yosef, you had something you wanted to say? Yeah, no, I was going to say to Tyler's point that, like, yeah, I think based off what how they've drafted, um, I think it's pretty obvious, and it's been, like, a known thing around here. So, like, Sam Presti has long admired, like, the San Antonio Spurs. Like, that's where he started, you know. He built his way up there. I'd, like, I genuinely think, like, obviously you can't build the Spurs that they were in the mid-2000s or the mid-2010s. Um, but I do think like there's an extent there where he wants to do something similar with high field guys who can attack, close out, dribble the ball, pass, and just do all those like small, smart basketball things. Yeah, they're not going to yell at like scream athleticism. Um, I mean, the Thunder don't scream athleticism. JRE, Jalen Williams, uh, Josh Giddy, but like these are really smart basketball players who can do all the smart little micro things. And I think that's really like what their end goal is. And then you have Shea, who's just the exception to everything there and can just do everything, honestly. Yeah. Shea, yeah I think who is probably the best athlete on the team, but is uh, <laughs> like, cause such a coming out of the, the draft is like not viewed in that way necessarily at all. And it's like, Oh, well, he's a good stop and start guy. And he really changes directions. Well, but it was never like, Oh, he's a great athlete, you know, but I, I, I don't know. I like what they're doing. I think it's good. There's nobody that's like, oh, he's not athletic enough to play. Like it's like he just can't make it. It's just a bunch of guys who, you know, aren't surviving on that. And I think that's going to be an interesting thing to see grow for a couple of years. I think in a lot of ways, uh, Chet is going to really complete the team, and that's what makes it uh, so heartbreaking that he's been out for this whole year, or he is going to be out for this whole year. But I'm really excited to see um, what this finalized version of this Thunder team looks like with him at the five. And I'm assuming another lottery pick coming in this year, but if they keep winning like that, like this, who knows? Um, touching back on Giddy, I know Tyler, you wanted to talk about the defense. Um, me personally, I don't, I think he's a pretty smart team defender in general. I think obviously he has some athletic uh, limitations that are going to limit him as a point of attack guy, but there's nothing like that I really hated from him on the end of the floor, honestly, but I don't know if you have any different thoughts. No, I think that Giddy is an interesting case because I think a lot of, like you said, like team defense is going to be about reading the floor and understanding where, like not only where the ball is going, but where you need to be to most affect the, the I guess, the flow of the offense. And I think that obviously Giddy should be able to thrive there, but I don't know. I think that the athletic limitations scream pretty large. And I don't think he's going to be somebody who is, like uh, like an inherent negative that's attacked every time down the court, a like a Doug McDermott or a insert defensive sieve here. But I do think there are a lot of ways you can take advantage of him in like 
from a scheme sense, I don't think his closeouts are very good, and I don't think he covers ground particularly well on the defensive end. I think there's a lot of ways to kind of pick at that in a like a playoff setting. And so it'll be interesting to see how that grows over time. Obviously, defense does get better, but you do wonder with getting somebody who's like a negative athlete with what looks like a negative wingspan, which I don't think that it is, but it certainly looks like it. Uh, they they claim it's out. even, I think, but I'm not sure I believe it. Uh, even, an even wingspan. Yeah, it's, I think that's a, that's a <laughs> steep hill to climb in today's NBA, but, you know, his offensive package makes it worthwhile, but you do wonder, like, how to maximize that within a team construct. I think SGA's defense has been a lot better this year, but uh, like, what kind of player would you want to have next to them is the, the ultimate question, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I think I do think I agree with Dave in terms of him being a smart team defender, but I do think realistically his whole career he's going to be the guy who's just guarding the dude on the court in the corner, the weakest offensive player on the team. Um, and then then they're probably just going to keep trying to hide him, which is kind of what they've done. But he's shown some flashes. Um, he's he's been able to wall off some guys when they've driven on him. But I, I do agree. I think the lack of limit that lack of athleticism really does get to him. He doesn't cover ground the best. Um, doesn't really know how to use the height to his advantage in terms of when defending players. Uh, but I, I do think obviously he can improve and will improve just because I think he's such a smart player. Um, and as you said, I don't think he'll ever be a Duck McDermott type of guy or Duncan Robinson where he's just completely getting played off the court. But I do think they'll have to, his deficiencies will have to be made up elsewhere in terms of the guys you're going to have on the court. What do, you, what do you think is his ideal position defensively? Do you see him as like a just like guard the weakest wing? Would you rather see him try to guard forwards, or like how would you want to use him defensively? Weakest wing, probably. Um, just try to hide him in the corner. Uh, like if you're if you're playing a 76ers, like all right, just go sit there and guard PJ Tucker, please. Um, yeah. Or you know, Oroko or someone. Uh, that's probably my ideal situation. Not every team has a guy who cannot create for himself that early. But- uh, yeah, I, I think the best case scenario is him being a, a neutral defender, probably, but a plus team defender, um, which I, I value team defense over on ball. Uh, I think it's much more important. I think that's kind of the consensus, um, but I do think he has a ways to go for him to to get there in terms of playoff, especially in terms of playoff basketball. As you said, I think there's a lot of things that teams can do to to really exploit him. Yeah, I think having him guard anybody who's not a movement shooter would probably be would my ideal circumstance. Because I, I don't want to see him chasing Bryn Forbes around the perimeter. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds atrocious. But I, I do agree that I think his team defense and the value of that should hopefully help buoy some of that overall impact as he gets older because uh, he'll, he'll need at least something there. But yeah, like like a bunch of blog boys, we've talked about Josh Giddy for like twenty minutes now. So that's a he's the classic best. behavior. He's the there. best. He's just, it's a lot to talk about, and really a fascinating guy. I do want to get into SGA for a little bit here, and I know we typically will focus on some of the younger guys, but SGA is one that is just entirely, uh, it's just an, a really interesting player and really interesting development path. How what has it been like? rooting for a team that has SGA on it. And like, what is the last couple of days? What is, what's your biggest takeaway in watching them grow over the last few years? Cause it's been pretty awesome. I, I really sat there last night and was like, wow, like this guy is on our basketball team. Like that. I think last night was the first, like I, there's been times where I'm like, Oh my gosh, this guy's good, but he's not any of these, you know, he's not who we've had in the past. And he's still, I mean, it would be impossible to be 
to, like we've had Russ, CP, all these guys, top 75 players of all time, KD. But like just watching him, just the way he moves, the way he does things, like he's the one guy like I think now I, I've kind of stopped fanning out completely, like fanboying over the team. But like whenever he does something, like I truly like I'm I'm left in awe. Just the way he's able to move his body the way he towards it's just i i a human shouldn't be able to move that way um it, I, like genuinely so it's it's been fascinating to watch especially if you look back at the all the way from his first year here with cp and just how much he's developed as like an on-ball guy and i think the biggest thing for me is the passing um i think we know he's one of the best drivers he's always been a good kickout guy but this year especially he's put an emphasis in interior passing which two years ago you would have never seen him make an interior pass at all. Um, so I think that's like been the most fun part. Honestly, you see him like hitting Poku on short rolls and it's like, Oh my God, like this is fascinating to watch. Um, and just the way he's been able to finish the shooting, the shootings honestly kind of just made me trip up mind wise because like he has an amazing shooting year, which I think we all can agree is a pretty big outlier. Um, and then he struggles last year, but it's like, okay, yeah three full seasons of data that shows that he's at least league average. And then this year you just see him like last night, he scores 34 points without making a three pointer. Like that is just, and he's a guard. That's like mind blowing to me. Yeah. I mean, I think it just, it, it doesn't really matter as much when he can get to the rim at the rate that he does. Uh, he has such a funky driving game. And I think uh, he does a really good job of keeping his dribble alive when you, when other guys maybe would pick it up. And just the growth of his mid-range game this year, I think, will uh, go a long way towards keeping defenses honest in that area. But, yeah, he's he's really fun to watch, man. Yeah, you're muted. Yeah, I was muted twice. Jesus, that's <laughs> terrible, man. And I think that his shooting has been the thing that kind of has blown my mind the most, too. Like, he missed his first free throw this season last night. And he's averaging how much? Like, it's ridiculous. Like that's that that blew my mind. The fact that he's like I, I do think he's a great shooter. I think his form is kind of strange looking. He's kind of like a like a bizarro Tyrese Halliburton, and like he obviously he's like a rim pressure god, obvious opposite of Tyrese. But he just he he, he pulls up into these jumpers where he, it looks broken when you first look at it. You're like this is ugly. There's no way it's gonna go in. And he makes like ten of them in a row. And it doesn't make any sense. It's it's that's been the thing that's kind of blown my mind the most. It has. In his growth, because he was always a really interesting guy with the ball in his hands at, at Kentucky, but there was the idea of like, well, is he going to be able to actually like shoot the ball at any real level in the NBA? And the fact that that's gotten to the the level where it is now is like nothing short of remarkable. And outside of the shooting growth, I think he, he defensively he's been really good this year. And I, I don't remember making those observations in in previous years. So I would love to hear your take on that, Yosef. No, you're right. Um, the past two years have been really rough defensively. Uh, I, I specifically remember the no fans season. Um, there was a play against the Spurs where the Spurs ran it maybe four or five times in a row, and Patty Mills legit just cut behind Shea every play, backdoor cut, and Shea just didn't do a thing. Like four or five plays in a row, the Spurs scored on it. Um, but this year, in like it's it's just he's been a completely different animal. It's like what you saw his rookie year and like, you're like, okay, this is, this is the type of defender you envision his rookie season. He's showing shades of that. Um, just the way he's able to use his length to his advantage, his timing. Honestly, 
he talked about it last night, how he watches League Pass all the time. There was a specific moment where he knew exactly which shoulder Franz wanted to go off of for his one-legged fader and just completely cut that off, and Franz had to use his opposite shoulder. Um, he knows when to gamble. He's The biggest thing, I think, with him, I think a lot of people are have the misconception where defense is just effort. It's not. There's so many other things that go into defense in terms of just feel, footwork, technique. Um but like a lot of Shea's bad defensive moments were engagement. Uh, he just wasn't engaged on the defensive end for the last two years. And then you watch him for Team Canada this past summer, and he's like bought in on the defensive end, and he's trying. But then you're like, okay, let's add context, and he's he's guarding a 5'10 guy from Puerto Rico. Like, what are we going to do there? What are we going to take with that? You know, like uh, not to discredit anybody. Um, but, yeah, he's been engaged. Um, the off-ball defense has been there. He's not falling asleep. I, I still think he can become a better on-ball defender um, in terms of he dies still on screens and stuff like that. But overall, um, it's like if you would have told me seven months ago that Shea's going to be doing this, that he what he's doing now, I would have never believed you. Um, he, he showed shades of it like last season. Like last season, he was a really good help defender on drives, like probably one of the few good things you could take from the past few years. But he's he's kept doing that. Um the weak side rotations have been fascinating to watch, um, something that he just never really did in the past. So I think, honestly, I think he just fully bought in. Like, that's been the biggest thing from, like, Mark Dagnall. I think the past two years was, like, defense. Like, he legit would just sit Trey Mann down last season if he wasn't playing defense. Um, so it's it's fascinating to see him buy in on that end, and I think it's, it's kind of got him to another level as a player as a whole um, and kind of keeps raising his ceiling. How long will he keep this up? I don't know. It's hard to ask a player to play defense for 82 games whenever the team isn't winning. Right now they're winning, so it's kind of easy. But, like, I really wonder how it'll look in two to three months. And I hate to be, like, negative when I say that, but it, it, it is easier when you're winning. Almost no, definitely. And I, I think you made a really interesting point about how he, he, he could – do for some growth in terms of on-ball defense, but his off-ball defense has been really positive, and it's kind of similar to what we said about Giddy previously as well. Uh, what kind of, I guess, what kind of roster construction or lineup construction would you want to use when it comes to SGA and Giddy? Would you rather have another guard on the floor with them to guard point of attack? Would you rather just leave SGA a point of attack and say we'll figure it out with size on the back end? How do you how do you see those two working best together on the defensive end? I think I'd like one more lengthy guard um, to guard point of attack. Um, so you can put Josh on those weaker guys or even put Josh on like a four. Um, yeah. And then I think uh, – I, I don't think like Lou Dort is – I think there's a very realistic scenario where he's not the long-term starter with those two. Um, so like if you have to have another guy, I wouldn't mind another guard – not guard, but a, another lanky wing. I think that's their biggest thing. I think they're going for length. Um, and a, a miniature – Toronto Raptors almost um someone like guys who can cut off passing lanes stuff like that um I do think Shea has potential to be a good point of attack defender um at least average but I do think there's a technique wise there's still a ways to go he's like still very much on his heels and he's jumpy um and he does get beat a lot, but his height and his timing or not height, but his length and his timing kind of save him, which I think against like some of the best players in the league that, that that's, you're not going to get saved with that type of stuff. Um, so I would like another fluid long guard to, to be able to take the point of attack, honestly. 
I think the screen navigation with him is really interesting because, you know, you think of a guy like him who's like super flexible. Um, maybe there's some room for improvement there that we just haven't seen yet. And I mean, he has all the the tools to be a plus defender in the long run. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how that grows. And like you said, just how he can stay motivated on a team that isn't realistically winning games right now. Um, but as a side note, I just wanted to ask you, like, what do you think his next step is? Like, I mean, obviously he's already at an insanely high level right now, but do you think there's like one more leap he can, he can take? Like, is it just going to be um, more impact on the defensive end? Or is there something else that you'd point out, maybe the shooting or what? Overall as a player? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I I honestly, it, this is where I may get in trouble, honestly. Um, <laughs> I don't think, like, Shea is very close to his, like, best self. I think there's another level or two, which is kind of scary to think about. I think he can improve in terms of on-ball defense, the shooting. Um, I think Tyler brought up a great point earlier about the mid-range. Um, the mid-range numbers have kind of always been there, but the frequency and the volume obviously weren't. And this year we've seen a clear rise in the volume because of him being able to use that to his advantage because he's such a great uh, at creating rim pressure. And also, I mean, last night they were packing the paint that in terms of like he's driving and there's five Orlando Magic players in there. So uh, I'm not saying he doesn't trust his teammates to kick out, but whenever guys aren't hitting, like for him to be able to hit those mid-range shots in that little middle, like that in-between game, I think is huge for him. Um, I do think the, sh- the three-point shot will get there because um, I, I believe that he's a good shooter. Like, I think we have enough data that supports him being a shooter. I just don't think the shot's falling. I think there's some mechanics that are getting changed up, and it, it's been getting changed up since last season. Um, and so I think once he finds that, like, last night, I remember I'm like, oh, wow. After the first quarter, I'm like, oh, Shea's gone kind of quiet. Um, he hasn't been doing that much. I checked this box score, and he has 28. Like, I, I genuinely think he's he's he has potential to be one of the best scorers in the league consistently year in and year out, um, while also having an impact on the defensive end. Because I think there's a lot of guys, not a lot, but I think there's a few guys in the league that we they're some of the best scorers we've ever seen, but then also they're just nothing on the other end. Um, and I think like not say names, but like that's been my biggest critique of Bradley Beal for years. Um, is a like awesome offensive talent, maybe one of the best off ball guys in the league, but defense is just, it's, it, it drives me crazy. Um, and I like, that's, I think the biggest thing with Shea is just the defensive end. Cause if he buys in, like he's a legit for a guard, I think he's one of the best point guard defenders in the league. If he truly buys in on that position, in that side. Cause as you said, he has all the tools. He needs some fixing up on technique wise, but everything else is there. Yeah. I think that, SGA kind of fits in the archetype of like you know someone who can create offense and still be a positive defender, and I think that is like incredibly rare. And in in my perfect worldview, every team has five positive defenders on the floor at all times, and like the hardest place to find that tends to be at the guard spot. So I think that obviously SGA has been one of my favorite players for a while, just because of the simple nature of that fact and his size and how unique his game is. But I do think it. It, it, it brings me back again to the fit with Giddy of like, well, if the offensive fit is going to be a little bit sketchy as it is, and then the defensive fit is not only kind of sketchy in their strengths, but also in terms of like maximizing your roster around SGA. Like I fully believe the best idea of a roster around SGA is him at the point guard with four positive to significantly above 
average defenders around him to create just like this length monster. And like obviously Giddy doesn't fit in there either. And you can find ways to work around that, but like what level does the offense have to get to before like that becomes a worthwhile proposition for like the long-term future of your franchise, I think is a really interesting question and kind of comes down to, you know, I don't, I don't, the shot again, just to reiterate it, the shot, which is interesting, but I don't know, man, it'll be a fun, a fun duo to watch for years to come. Hopefully as long as Toronto Raptor fans uh, don't get their way. Cause uh, that's oh, all about dude. They're they're give they're like turning into Laker fans. You know, you guys know like that phase where it was like every year there was a different Photoshop of a player in a Laker jersey. So it's become with like Raptor fans. Like it's there if there was a rival fan base during this rebuild, it's definitely become Toronto. And some of the highest quality photoshops I've ever seen of an NBA jersey in my life coming from dude. Raptors fans recently, dude. <laughs> they they photoshopped a Shea Instagram story where Shay was like wearing a Raptors jersey with Fred Van Vliet yeah. and he was like that number two in red is different and I was like yo this is like this is a whole new level like this is that impressive. was the that's the exact post I was referencing I was like I, this is really good like this is art man yeah. honestly this is art so so far this uh, podcast we've managed to alienate both Rockets fans and Raptors fans it's gonna that's going to end up great. But uh, we've kind of touched on Giddy a lot as uh, his fit with SGA. And uh, there's another ball handler that's been talked a lot about in OKC, and that's Trey Mann. Um, just let's let's touch on your general thoughts on him real quick. Oh, man. Um, I, I genuinely think he's one of the best space creators in the league. Um, his flexibility, the ball handle, um, his ability to decelerate is – ridiculously impressive um he's finishing well at the rim right now this season so far um i think that was my biggest i don't want to say gripe but concern last year was once you had him move inside the three-point line um it was really bad i don't have the exact numbers in front of me but they were definitely bottom of the league um and so i think that was the biggest thing this year obviously they've added strength on him there's definitely noticeable weight on him um he's finishing I put it up before the pod. Um, I think he's finishing like 70th percentile amongst guards on corner cleaning the glass um, at the rim, which is obviously very, very small sample size, um, but it's encouraging. I'm not sure I believe it yet because a lot of them have been some wonky type of finishes that it's like, okay, how did that go in? Um, But it's, he's fascinating because I'm, on the side that I think he's going to be this amazing sixth man one day. But then I also think his offensive skill set is just so great that he could easily just break through that role and be a legit player on an NBA team in terms of like being a starter. Um, And I do think defensively, I think you could never really play him and Shea together um, in terms of when it comes to like actual playoffs, championship basketball. But like when they're on offense, there's a very, very obvious synergy right there, um, just because of Trey being able to play off him so easily. Um, but it, Trey's fascinating. He, I, I was that's one guy I was very much wrong about. I remember when we picked him, I was very confused. I like, I was, I was very confused because I wanted, I wanted another guy that uh, we won't say his name, but he went to the Spurs. Um, what do you call it? Uh, so like, I, I think that was. It, it, uh, <laughs> 
Um, but no, he's a he's a fascinating prospect. I think he's honestly one of the best offensive players in that draft class. It, it's the way his he can get his. I it was hilarious. He did an interview last year, and he was like, "Yeah, I've never really been that flexible." And then I'm like, "Dude, your your shin is 90 degrees uh, to the hardwood. What are you What are you talking about? Not that <laughs> not that flexible. Like, I, like honestly, but um, yeah, I I genuinely like in terms of de- elite deceleration, elite space creation. I think like he has the skill set to be one of the best shot creators in the league. Yeah, I'm really glad that you touched on the finishing because. That's kind of my concern with him as well. He, sh- I, I looked at his college numbers a little bit, and in his second year with Florida, he shot around 60% of the rim on like a pretty solid self-creation number. And then I look at his uh, rookie year, and it's like low 40s. So that kind of threw me off a little bit. But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if that first year was just a fluke or if he's just going to struggle to finish against size in the NBA. Uh, and then, like you touched on, I mean – space creation is insane he just he just leaves you with that stank face on like 48 minutes so he's really fun to watch um but yeah the finishing is gonna be the swing skill for sure yeah i think he's looked a lot more aggressive as a finisher this year and like it, it has seemed like he's more confident in getting into the paint and and using different angles and craft to get off shots um like, like we've all said, the space creation is incredible. And it's just like awesome to watch and it's super fun. And he doesn't have like the most, the, the flashiest, most dynamic handle in the world. We're like, oh, it's on a string. But it's like he just creates this amount of space. It's just unbelievable on step backs. You're like, wait, how did he cover 10 feet in the span of a second and a half? But it's uh, it's it's awesome to watch. And that his shins really do look like something out of like a horror movie where like someone like falls from a tree and they lay on the ground and you're like oh no their leg is broken but it's not it's just that's how he moves and so for him to say he's not flexible that's hilarious i didn't know that he said that before that is uh no it's it's pretty wild stuff um i don't know, I, I think that like y'all both said the finishing has been great this year or at least a, a very market improvement his passing i still i guess i'm left with some questions it does feel like he does make the occasional good pass but kind of like it's like he will drive and get to the point where like okay my drive's not cut off and i have to make a decision to either throw up a floater a shot or like literally stop my momentum and look around and see who else is open and find somebody on the perimeter which means he makes accurate passes and, and reads the floor well in those situations but it doesn't feel like he's proactive with his reads and it doesn't feel like he's manipulating the defense under like any way besides just creating space for himself and so my question would be do you think that's something that will get better with time or is that something you just want to program reads into them and just kind of have like a, a like like a set list i guess of like the, the different reads to make in a pick and roll or like what how would you want to approach that that growth for him or is it just not that necessary for his skill set i i do think he has to improve a little i i want to i want to lean towards i don't think it's super necessary for his skill set um because I don't think he'll ever be a create a big creator for others in this offense. Um, but I do like, as you said, I do have big worries. He's not a proactive passer. I don't even think he's really a reactive passer that much. Um, the only time I've seen him really make a reactive pass was when he'll gnash the drive and then he'll come out. He had a couple last year where he did really well on that. Mm-hmm. So I do think like being able to run offense and give him some stuff that he has like set reads to make. 
Um, cause even sometimes just a simple pick and roll, he misses the role, man. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think that's the biggest thing for him. And I think that's always been a question mark. Uh, we talk about it sometimes on the group chats is like his passing may just be cooked. Um, like we'll joke about that. Like that's how, like, sometimes it'll just be the most simple things. Um, and I think that is sometimes just whenever you're as a lead of a score as he is, sometimes you're just so much looking for your shot, you know, who's the next guy you can just create 10 feet of space in between. Um, and as you said, like when he gets cut off on drive, sometimes he'll pick his ball up and just be in the middle of the paint, just looking who to kick it out to real quick and reset. Um, and I think eventually like you're going to be able to have to manipulate the defense to really become a threat, especially if you're adding rim pressure and are finishing well, um, eventually you're going to get countered. You're going to have to have a counter for that. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, but yeah, I, the, the, the passing does worry me to an extent, but I also, I just want to be able to make the simple reads. I think passing is also a big, like feel skill set. Um, and I think at this hate age of his, what he's 22 now, 23, like mm-hmm. 22, I think I just, I don't know how much more he can realistically improve. Um, I'm just, I'm just, uh, excited to see what else he can add. Cause he kind of had a surprising um, improvement last year as far as like his second year at Florida, looking at Bartovic right now, he had zero dunks. And then just like all of a sudden last year, I see a highlight where he's just postering somebody. So uh, I think maybe he's just a guy that has uh, surprises to, to his game. Maybe he'll just like all of a sudden become a good passer. But yeah, I think you're right in your assessment. He's probably, probably not going to, improve that much in that regard yeah i will say that the his sophomore year at florida like the, that summer he had grown like three inches i think about or so between his freshman and sophomore years like he was still growing into his body and kind of figuring out like oh i'm six five now and i can do things that six five people do which was crazy to have watched his freshman year and being like i don't know what this is it's like a six two shot creating point guard who's not really making shots like what is the future here and then comes back and like wait holy shit is that trade man like no way he's six five it's I, that was one of the crazier moments i've had watching college basketball I'm like holy crap this guy grew three inches he's like a 19 year old and it's just like a totally different level of prospect now and uh, obviously the height helps a lot if either him or giddy could play defense they would be my favorite two-man combo in the nba but one day one day we'll get there <laughs> but uh i and we've been going for like 50 minutes now. This has been exciting stuff. We've got a lot of fun players on the Thunder to talk about, but we have to fit in some Poku talk here because I have about a million questions about Juan Alexei Pokusevsky. So I would love to hear your take, Joseph. Yeah, um, I've I've been super patient with Poku. I'll be the first to say the last two years were so bad. Um, but I think like when you add the context and what was expected, I kind of expected that. I've told a lot of people that this year is Poku's rookie year to me. For in terms of evaluation, um, this is that's how I'm going to evaluate him, and uh, it's it's been honestly this season has been good. There's been bad. There's been some oh, there's been some Poku moments, you know. Um, and uh, I get I get in trouble sometimes because like I, I laugh at Poku's just a guy that like when he does bad, even you just can't help but laugh, you know. He's just it's just one of those guys on the court. He's just funny. Every, he he definitely he doesn't piss you off. It's more just like oh, it's just Poku being Poku, you know. Um, I think the most fascinating thing is the shot. Um, if you watch the old jumper, it looks a lot like uh, the greater less than sign, you know, 
um that's how he really looked now it's he's not as folded up i think that's a big thing because of just how much like they've prioritized adding strength and adding weight to him and i think that's one reason why the shot has looked so bad in the past which i'm wrong the shot has still been questionable at times this year too um it's just the the development track that they've gone with him has been so fascinating in terms of all right you're not going to play summer league um okay you're gonna play utah summer league but then you're not playing any vegas summer league the very next year um we're gonna send you down to the g league for a month where he somehow every time he gets sent down he doesn't look any better than everyone he's playing with he plays down to his competition but then he comes back and he looks like a completely different player and actually plays well for another month month and a half um one thing they've done this year that i've really enjoyed is they've used him in the short role to be able to highlight his passing instead of actually giving him on ball reps to be like all right go dribble and go make show your passing off they've given him short roll possessions which honestly has worked really well especially against minnesota in that first game of the season um i think the biggest question with poku and i think last night you're like last night i don't think he's as good as he was against uh the magic i don't think he's as bad as he was in like our first game against uh the Timberwolves where he four possessions in a row and he shot the ball every time. Um, But I do think there's a median there. Um, I think the fascinating thing with him is like, okay, what, what is this guy in terms of the end whenever we're competing for a playoff spot? You know, what, how does he contribute to that style of a team? And last night you saw shades of that in terms of the rim protection What him as a weak side rim protector is fascinating. Like he's been doing stuff the past two games that like I, my jaw is kind of dropped. Um, but then it's also whenever he's just under the basket, it's kind of like, ugh, okay. It's like whenever he's a weak side rim protector is when he shines the most. Um, the on-ball defense still needs to be improved kind of, uh, which is funny because like his first year, there were moments where he frustrated a lot of guys because of his length. I mean, we all know Chris Paul bullies rookie rookie bigs and while pokey may not really be a big like there was a possession i'll never forget cp switches on to him and like thinks he's about to bully him and then like gets so pissed off when he like has to pass out because he just can't shoot over poku um but he he's fascinating i still think like it's so early but i don't think he's this meme of a player that he has been where everyone just laughs at him and thinks like he's this god-awful guy um i i've said a lot i think people like will pull up the numbers and be like, Oh, he's a 38% uh, field goal shooter. And it's like, okay. But like he, a lot of him is context based. I think you have to know what was going on, understand like the ex- expectations from him from a development standpoint. And he's still one of the youngest players in the league. Now I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, a lot of people like thought Poku has this like insane potential. I don't think he ever touches that, but I do think like there's an NBA player in there, a good role player with high feel. It's just a matter of, how can you shape him into like a guy that contributes to winning one day, if that makes sense? No, absolutely. And I think what you had said about uh, the March coaching style and the way they've emphasized defense since he's gotten there over the last couple of years, I think that's been uh, probably enormously positive in his developments. I do think that like, like you said, there was a lot of excitement about what he could be as like a, some type of like on-ball creator, but Having watched him this season, what I've seen, like he could be legitimately a really, really, really good team defender. Like and he, he could be an actual like, weak side rim protector and somebody who can jump passing lanes and holds up well on switches. And like you said, is stronger than you would think for his body type. Like I think that he's like, it's, uh, I don't know, it's really interesting. I, I, 
obviously the tools were there for somebody that was going to be a positive and impactful defender. Um, but it was just seemed so far away. He seemed so frail at the time, but th- there were moments of strength. The fact that he can actually play the five and it not be like totally disastrous for the, the encore product for the team is nothing short of remarkable at this point from where he came in two years ago. That is wild to me. He defended Rudy Gobert and he met him at the summit and blocked him at the rim. Like that, like my, Oh my, my jaw dropped when I saw that. I just could not believe it. It's not something that I would have expected from him out of the first two years in the league. And just like to look confident playing as a big is incredibly exciting to see for his growth going forward. I don't know what the hell he is offensively. I don't don't even really know when I would feel confident saying what he is offensively. I mean, I don't I and mean, his shot does look a lot different now. Like he looks less like like the greater than equal sign and more, I guess, like Pac-Man when he's about to eat one of the dots, you know, like it's a little <laughs> bit less curved now, but it, there's still definitely like a lot of, a lot of bend to it. And the ball feels hard coming off of his hand. And I, I don't really know how else to describe it other than that. Like when he shoots it, it, I don't know if it's wrist or if it's his forearms or just this weight transfer, but the ball feels hard coming off. And it doesn't feel like it's going to go in a lot of the time. And he has some really ugly moments of touch around the rim that make me really nervous. I, I want to say it was the Minnesota game where he, like, he gets past his man off the dribble on like, like on the baseline, does like a euro step and gets all the way to the rim for like a lefty layup and it doesn't even hit rim. And I was just like, what just happened? Like this is like that was that was like Blake Wesley. Like that was not good. Like wide open, just like barely hits like the back. It was awful. And I don't know. I th- that's the kind of stuff for me that makes me really worried about like offensive projection of like when it becomes less of like, Oh, like your mechanics are weird. And I don't like, you don't have a lot of lift and get to work on your craft when it becomes like, does this person have like fine motor skill in their hands to be able to have the touch to shoot and to make a basketball in a hoop? I don't know. And I think the, uh, the extra long levers that are Poku's arms don't help with that. But um I think defensively it's really exciting and it could be really fun. Offensively, I, I have no clue. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Tyler, I really don't know what to make of him right now. But I mean, the theoretic the theoretical version of Poku is is pretty interesting. You know, you got a guy that can pass out the short roll, like you mentioned, Joseph, and then you know, can also hit perimeter shots um when needed. And I think um also able to just like push the ball on the break here and there as a five um, that offers a wrinkle to them as well. I think, I don't know. I think I saw that the Thunder have been pretty good in transition this year. Um, So that's, that's another thing that I think he adds. And then I just think it's, um, I really like how he fell to like the perfect situation in OKC. Cause I mean, in any, um, on any other roster or on any other team, I don't know if he would still be um, on a roster, but I admire that OKC is kind of like stuck with him and maybe people complain about tanking a lot. Um, but I think there's a positive side to it sometimes. Like a guy like Poku can maybe find a spot in the league now just because the Thunder weren't necessarily prioritizing winning. I'm not going to accuse them of tanking because I think there are other teams that have done similar things to them. But that, that's just kind of how I've looked at it personally. 
No, I agree. Um, I think that's why they traded up. They traded up one pick in front of Dallas because Dallas was going to take Poku. And I think I tweeted after Poku's rookie year. I was like, what is Poku right now if he's in Dallas? He probably doesn't play the whole year and on their big boy team. They're, he's probably in the G League a majority of the time. Um, and then even just the past years, he probably gets zero playing time and he's probably at the NBA after a year or two. Um, so like that's I think the one pro as you said is him being able to come to an organization that understands the context they're very patient I mean they already accepted his fourth year option I think before preseason even started um, which was he was coming off a bad uh, what do you call it summer league so I think that's the biggest thing is just patience with him as you guys said I have no clue what he is on offense Um, he could be you know a great shooter one day he could be quite possibly the worst shooter i've seen as you said every shot doesn't look like it's going in there's no touch um there's no arc on it really it's fascinating but then you see these defensive flashes and you're like oh okay um so he continues to be just kind of a blank canvas um i think there is a clear-cut like ceiling on him i think i think we're past the stage of oh poku can be like a top five guy in this draft um i know it's kind of like soon to say that type of stuff but like i I do think like we can maybe you know hop off those type of takes um but like i do think there's an nba player in there somewhere what kind what type of nba player i'm not really sure yet yeah i think poku is a really interesting uh, like thought experiment in terms of draft evaluation and what you can and can't improve. So I think he did have a lot of the like inherent awareness and coordination required that like, that are really difficult to improve and are really difficult to like ingrain in into 20, 25 year old people that like having that as a part of like the main cell as your like growth as a prospect is like inherently valuable. And then like, yeah, there were a lot of things that need to get better, but everything with poker that needs to be better be it decision making be it his weight be it his shot are things that are commonly developed and improved on like pretty consistently in the nba and so i think it's a really interesting bet and the fact that he's looked good is is awesome and and i don't think you had to hurt david's feelings like that by talking about what poker would look like on the maps because <laughs> no he would he would be out of the league you can't tell me that rick carlisle is putting <laughs> Back in the or chasing kid for that matter at this point. I'm gonna die on the Josh Greenhill, so I'm fine with that. Dude, he's figuring it out, man. Dude, there's it, some it, positive things being said in press conferences. Dude, this yep. hasn't happened in Dallas in decades, man. I'm excited. Right. We finally got I'm a so that was drafted outside of the top five. All right, do you guys want to move on to some of the rookies? Um I haven't yeah, I didn't sure. catch a lot of the a lot of Usman Jang's NBL tape pre-draft, but I've I've really liked the flashes I've seen from him so far. I mean, he's he's got great movement skills. He's pretty f- a fluid mover, flexible. He's kind of in the you know Darius Baisley, Kenrich Williams, Poku mold that the Thunder seem to love. And his shot is pretty good, I think. It's compact, one motion. Um, is there anything else you've been able to glean to his start to the season, uh, Yosef? No, yeah, he was honestly one of my draft crushes, probably one of my favorite prospects. Um, I like I was jumping with joy when I found out OKC traded for him. Um, I think his his development arc at like the NBL was fascinating, just how much he struggled that first half of the year, but then he showed you flashes of him on the defensive end. And then that second half of the year, whenever he started doing things on offense, you kind of saw the defense drop off a bit. Um, and it's also fascinating because I think he, yeah, at least in my opinion, I wasn't like, 
a big fan of the on-ball defense in the NBL. Um, I think he was very noticeably weaker than everyone else. He was getting kind of bullied, but as a, t- as a team defender, I really liked what he looked like. And then this year it's kind of the opposite. He's shown some really big flashes in terms of a on-ball defender, but then as a team defender, he just kind of seems a step behind in terms of rotations. It, like the game just moving a little too fast for him, which is, I mean, that's understandable. I think a lot of guys go through that type of, uh, those type of challenges whenever they come into the league. Um, as you said, the, sh- the jumpers compact. I'm, I'm a fan. I, I really don't care what, the percentages say in the NBL and what the percentages say so far. Um, I think, I think that's a guy who's going to be able to shoot the basketball one day. Um, and the biomechanics are just so fascinating. As you said, like him and Bayes, like six ten guys aren't really supposed to move like that. And as fluid as they are, um, I think that's the biggest thing for me. And that's like the most fascinating part. Um, he's noticeably bigger too, since he compared to like just eight months ago. Um, so I think that's like, kind of encouraging uh sorry guys um matt ryan just made a buzzer beater three to send the game into overtime um so that's why i kind of paused because i was like what the hell <laughs> but uh yeah i think i am like so i envision two three years down the road like the thunder pushing chips in and making a trade for someone and like my biggest fear in life right now is that usman jang is going to be in that trade um, like that's how high I am on Usman Jang. I think he can be a very like, I think people were all so much like whenever they picked him and Jalen Williams, they're like, oh, here the Thunder go again, picking all these on-ball guys. But like, I think Usman's most realistic role long-term in the NBA is a three and D connective wing. Um, I, I would like to see him in some short role action, honestly. Um, but I, I have, I'm so high on him. Like I could go talk for another hour on Usman. Like that's how I am such a big fan. Like whenever I know he was kind of a hit or miss guy in terms of draft, like draft Twitter, because he's another guy that's like high potential kind really, really raw. Um, but I think that's another guy who was like growing into his body. If you go look at the Victor Wimbanyama tape, I mean, this dude was a what six something guard just a few years ago. And now he's six ten fluid wing. Like that's going to take time. Uh, to adjust so i'm i'm yeah i'm so high on him i i dude i could i'm fanboying right now even just thinking about it to be honest yeah usman is a really interesting uh test case here like you said i think especially having him on a team with basely and the fact that like you see two people that are six ten that are moving like they're six foot three kind of blows my mind that the thunder also had isaiah be on the roster not even four months ago which is like and it's been incredible to watch those three guys together. Just how ridiculous they move for enormous human beings. Um, the shot, I think, I agree with y'all in saying that it's compact and the shot does look good. I think that the fact that he's really pretty much never made shots before in his life is like, probably a little concerning in terms of like how good of a shooter is he going to be. But I think that the nature of his skill set and the nature of like this roster construction currently is that he's not going to have to be an incredible shooter. He's going to have to be like a serviceable shooter and he has enough game off the bounce to make that worthwhile. Once he does become one, I don't think there's any huge impediment on that happening. I don't think his touch is like drastically bad. I don't think it's awesome, but I don't think there's any reason he can't shoot 34, 35% on spot up threes. And if that happens and you've got a six ten dude, you can get downhill and, and like break down defenses. And he's really interesting defensively would be, 
the thing that I'm I'm most keyed in on. And I I have liked his on-ball defense, and I do think he's pretty good moving with people and, and, and mirroring ball handlers. And it's just really big. Like, he's just huge. Like I, I kind of can't believe it. It's like when I, I, I knew he was big watching in the NBL, and I, it must be the weight that he's added before this season, but he really does feel like a legit like big man-sized person on the court. And I think that just having somebody that moves as well as he does at, at that size is just incredibly helpful. And obviously the processing needs to speed up to an extent, and he needs to be able to – like nowhere to be, but he's what, like 19 years old. He's one of the younger players in this draft. I think that's given Oklahoma city's current coaching staff and the recent history they've had of developing prospects defense. I don't think that's concerning to me at all. So I don't know. I think he's in an awesome spot and somebody who fits really well in like an idealized lineup in the future once things start to come around, but he, he's really cool. I like him. Yeah. And I mean, I've kind of just been surprised by, how good or at least serviceable he's been so far this year. I, I kind of thought he would be more, you know, he's, he's kind of your prototypical like raw prospect that's going to need a couple, couple years to develop, but he's looked pretty good so far. Um, but touching back on, you know, the reaction to uh, drafting those two guys, um, Jalen Williams was the other player that y'all drafted. Uh, what have you seen from him so far? He, in terms of like the pace he plays with, reminds me a lot of Shea. Um, he's not going to jump out at you in terms of athleticism, but the way he's able to manipulate the defense with his pace and then hit you with the burst of speed after he's already maybe around the free throw line, three point line, after he's kind of created a step ahead of you, has really impressed me. Um, the length is just insane. Uh, there's a play in the first game against Minnesota, I, I think it's over Jay McDaniels, where he just hits this like little pull up uh hook shot and it's like the length and the touch is just shows and it's like that's the most fascinating part with him uh i was honestly very confused when we picked him like i was i i didn't call him and i think i was just because i wanted adrian griffin to be honest uh I, I was like oh big elite shooter why not um he's falling i trusted the medicals uh, so i was like why not um but honestly i think i think Jalen williams is the core like example of what the thunder are trying to do in terms of guy who's this jumbo guard who can dribble who can create for himself but then also he's a really really good off ball player um he's maybe the best cutter on the team as of right now the way he's able to just create angles whenever he's cutting um and it's it's really proactive too it's not just reactive like it's like he knows what's going to happen whenever the guy's driving to the rim as it is. Um, so I'm a fan. I kind of have question marks on the jump shot. Honestly, um, it's, it's been a little underwhelming so far, but I, I, I go back to the sample size being extremely small. Um, but he, he's been fun. Like, I think that's a guy who can make all rookie second team. Yeah. He's a, a really interesting fit. I was definitely in the same boat as you when, that pick came up. I was shocked it wasn't Griffin or Duran. Like that kind of like blew my mind a little bit. Um, he's, but I, I think he he fits really well. And I like you said that he fits the ethos of what they're trying to build, which is people who are large for their position who can dribble, pass, and shoot. And I think he very much fits the bill there. Um, the shot it does feel like there's like a lot going on. Like I'm not really sure where I see, I mean, obviously I think chip being there will help. It sucks to say that chip being there will help 
for a team that's not the San Antonio Spurs. Like that, like it was the first time I've said that, and that like that hurt me inside. But uh, yeah, I think that that's something that's going to get better as time goes on. And I, I don't think that again, like his touch isn't bad, and he's probably in the best spot to be able to develop his jumper over time. But um, an interesting fit defensively, I guess, with SGA and with Giddy, because I don't think any three of them are going to be maximized in an on-ball circumstance or navigating any kind of a screen. So I think that is uh, something I'll be watching in the future to see how they use all three of those guys and, I guess, Trey Mann as well. I think that's a lot of really talented and interesting offensive players that have uh, maybe parasitic uh, defensive similarities. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you guys touched on him really well. Um, the shooting and then the, def- the defense are definitely going to be, you know, the areas of his of his game that we're going to need to look at to improve. Um, he didn't shoot it too well in his years prior to his final year in Santa Clara. I think he was in the low 30s on low volume. So uh, hopefully that final year wasn't just an outlier for him. But the jumper doesn't look bad. I mean, it, it has the looks of a jumper that could be at least league average in the future. And then, like like y'all mentioned, again, OKC can uh, help him on the defensive end, I think, just getting used to playing uh, on an NBA defense is going to be key for him. And then just going back to his offensive feel, I think that should translate to the defensive side of the floor as well. Um, you kind of mentioned his intuition as a cutter, and I think that's a good sign as to what his team defense could eventually look like. Um, but we're going to go ahead and wrap this up here. I'm going to give it to you, Yosef, to kind of um, shout yourself out a little bit. Uh, tell people what you're working on. Uh, we got you on the Swish Theory staff right now, so I'm excited to see what you got cooked up. Now, yeah, uh, you can follow me at Thunder Film Room. I'm um, going to start doing some more breakdowns. I've kind of been lagging on that. Uh, currently working on a Shea piece. Um, and just overall, follow Swish Theory. Uh, we have a lot of really, really talented guys in the group. Um, I, I I think we're the, you know, a very big, exciting group coming up. I'm not going to say the best because I don't want to offend anybody. Um, but I, I do think, like, there's some awesome guys in here. Uh, I think there's content that you can't get anywhere else. Um, and so, I, I like, I promise everyone, I think they should follow it. You'll, you'll become a smarter fan, but I also think you'll very much enjoy it. Yeah, Mel, thank you for coming on. Yosef, it was great having you here and uh having you say you're not going to fangirl over Thunder players anymore and then proceed to say that you're a fan of every single player that we talk about. I mean, it's like, I, that, that, that was great. I loved it. That was a really fun conversation. I could, we, this could have gone for three hours, to be honest. I, we'll have to have you on again to cover some more guys. We did not talk about Darius Baisley like I wanted to, but we will get there one of these days. Um, it's been great. I had a lot of fun, guys. It's great talking. Yeah, we're, we're definitely going to need to do a part two. Um, for those that are listening, we haven't really done a good job of shouting out ourselves so far. So if you don't know, we're at ftpod underscore on Twitter. And then you can find both me and Tyler's profiles at, at prospectingNBA for Tyler and then at David Sidock 8 for me. And David, spell that last name, man. No one's going to get okay. David Sidock from. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, it's it's S A J D A K. So, yeah. Yeah. Sidek. There we go. Really enjoyed talking with y'all. Until next time, this is Finishing Touch signing up.
Peace.